welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau Podcast. It's your host, Thomas Pierce, here with you with a Bro Nouveau Classic episode. You may have noticed it's been more than two weeks since my last episode. It's taking me a little bit to get back on the horse after my uh, little unplanned hiatus, but after two years and over 100 episodes... You all know I'll never leave you alone for too long, so don't worry about that. The good stuff's coming, and as we get back onto the horse, I wanted to share this episode with Bobby Andaya from back in October. As I reflect on my life and my travels, there have been a few instances where I've met people who it was clear to me were very authentically following the path their heart set out for them. And Bobby fits into that category. He had a very lucrative career path ahead of him in the federal government, following a career in the U.S. military and federal law enforcement, where he would have been, you know, the equivalent of a corporate suit type, um, but on the federal side. And he gave that up because of the values he saw exhibited by the men ahead of him in the hierarchy and he saw a lifestyle that didn't click with him and instead ended up moving to the Philippines where his family's from opening fitness centers, CrossFit gyms and focusing on fitness education, health education in the community in the Island of Palawan where he lives, which is an incredibly beautiful thing. So I wanted to share his story again here, share his light with you all. So if you didn't listen back in October, here's your chance this time around to do so. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Okay, Bobby, what's up, man? Good evening. How are you? Welcome Yo. to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. I oh, love it. Bro Nouveau. New bro? New bro or Bro Nouveau? Bro Nouveau, you got it. Yeah, new the new man. That's the, that's the idea. Love Super cool. Love it. Love it, dude. Yeah. So uh, for those um, listening, Bobby and I met at uh, his gym. So on the island of Palawan in the Philippines, um, owner of a few entrepreneurial ventures, including a couple um, badass CrossFit gyms that were a, a savior for me and, and, and Kendall <laughs> on our trip. And that's where we met, man. So. <laughs> Yeah, by, by way of introduction, man, how would you, uh, you know, what would you like to kind of share about yourself with the uh, audience? Man, I am, uh, man, I am a family man, first and foremost, for sure, to my wife, uh, and then second to my daughter. Um, and then, uh, for sure, uh, we love um, the environment that we live in. Um, I am an American Filipino but I am born Filipino and at about 30 years old, uh, after 29 years living in the States, working as uh, a lot of different capacities, um, I decided to go ahead and come back to the country and give back to the country uh, through way, by way of uh, 
fitness education, really CrossFit uh, affiliation for me is something that you know, that universities can offer, uh, doctors can offer, no organizations can offer the education and the time and the quality that we get to spend one hour per day with people. And that affected me about 15 years ago uh, when I started my career in law enforcement. Um, so, uh, yes, I am an ex-law enforcement officer. I am also a military uh, combat veteran. I've spent time in Afghanistan. I spent time in uh, Iraq, Kuwait um, in my early 20s. And then I got hired into immigration. And at the end of my seven-year law enforcement career, I ended up contracting for the DEA and um, uh, U.S. Central Command. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the U.S. Central Command. Just Armed Forces Europe, Armed Forces Africa, Armed Forces Pacific, but at the very, very top is a U.S. Central Command, which is very connected with Washington, D.C., and that's why it was a joint contracting firm that I worked for uh, between the DEA and U.S. Central Command. Boom. That was a very long intro, brother. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yeah, because we like to dig into the areas of government that we, people may not know about. So that capacity is interesting because it is both – law enforcement and a military affiliation, right? Because if you're under the DOD, then that's military, correct? Correct. So we were under the DOD, uh, U.S. Central Command to be specific, and it was a lot of DA-supported operations overseas. Um, that was about the final two years of my law enforcement career. So uh, for the first five years, again, I was an immigration law enforcement officer for about a year and a half. And I moved into narcotics for about three and a half years. And then um, the firm recruited myself uh, along with a few others that I know. But the people that we were working for uh, in the firm were all retired, uh, retired out of the FBI or CIA guys who were by trade, of course, uh, either attorneys uh, and former special agents, of course. Um, but yes, there was a lot of, a lot, I would say we were one of the highest paid contractors in country in 2000 wow what was that eight years ago nine years ago 2013 um and i came in as a level two mentor advisor to senior law enforcement officers in foreign countries and i think the salary was something ridiculous like a quarter million dollars a year and the first hundred thousand untaxed uh, and that's how basically i came about um planning my exit and starting my new ventures on my own out here to which well, lots of ups and downs, but at the end of the day, no downs, just learning lessons and all ups. Awesome. Okay. There's a lot to uh, kind of dig into. So I guess let's, let's start with the, the Philippines because a lot of Americans may not really know anything about it. What is, how would you oh, describe wow. it to someone who's never been here? You know, the experience of kind of being in the, in the country, but even more specifically, I guess, you know, your home on the island. Uh, absolutely beautiful developing country. So beauty in terms of not just sunny days, but beauty in terms of struggle, uh, beauty in terms of peace, uh, beauty of, in terms of, of course, beaches and sunshine on top of all that. Uh, and then developing is another part of its beauty because there's a lot of opportunity here in the Philippines. Uh, granted that the way I look at things, um, 
you know, I had an opportunity to open the first, my, the first CrossFit gym in Hamburg about 10 years ago. Uh, Panama City was my second choice. And then, uh, you know, I took a deep, deep dive inside of myself and said, why not um, go to the Philippines? One, it's my roots. But then two, if I'm trying to reach as many people as I possibly can, granted that we all have about or we all have this one choice uh, a few, we all have the same amount of time. We all, we all have one lifetime, I should say. Um, why not reach as many people as I can? Um, and I just felt like I would be able to reach more people in a developing country on top of it being meaningful for me, being rooted here. But Philippines in general, I think it is coming up to be, um, of course, like the, there's the beach vibe and it's coming into this fitness vibe and it's coming to this surf vibe. So that already rings the bell to a lot of places like Thailand or Bali. But it is, uh, I would say it is more raw and I wouldn't necessarily say it's more cheap than Thailand and uh, or, or raw places in Thailand or maybe even raw places in Bali. I haven't been to Bali in about five years, but I would compare it in the same genre, particularly Palawan. Um, uh, everywhere else in terms of Boracay and Shargao is on the edge of things as well because it's super developed. I would say the Philippines just has great opportunity, great people. Everybody speaks English around here uh, and people are just friendly. Uh, the only thing I would say is uh, they definitely need to up their game on the food <laughs> a little bit. I mean, no, I love Filipino food personally myself, but it just doesn't connect well to the rest of uh, the international kind of genre of things because it's a lot of a lot of stews and it's usually a lot of fatty meats and you know me i'm always talking about health stuff carbs proteins fats and stuff you know totally. what i mean so yeah for those who haven't seen a visual bobby's absolutely ripped and uh, <laughs> looks like he has about less than five percent body fat so <laughs> definitely health uh, nutrition conscious hell yeah um yes yeah, man. um I, I would definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. My, go for it, go for it. My experience presently, and this is the first time for me living in a developing country, you know, not really visiting, mm. but being here, you know, day to day. And so for someone who's never been outside of the U.S., because a lot of the audience is U.S. or maybe like Australia-based, so, you know, rich countries, gotcha. what are the feelings, what are the emotions, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and then you described a beauty in that. So why do you think there's a beauty in those experiences that's different than kind of what you get in a more sanitized, developed environment? Well, that's a very good question, especially if you have me describe the sights, the smells. And I mean, uh, man, when I go home from work, I walk on a bridge and there is wild monitor lizards about three feet long. Um, so those sites are different <laughs> from coming from the Bay Area. I'm, again, I'm originally from San Francisco Bay Area. Um, uh, families from the sunset. And then I ended up moving to the East Bay about 2008 during the market crash uh, into this little town called Emeryville, which is about one square mile. The joke is you're in Berkeley you you're walking in Berkeley, you trip, you fall, you're in Emeryville, you stand up, you're in Oakland. Uh, and <laughs> that's a joke. You know what I mean? But yeah. literally this police department in this one square 
mile city has more police officers than the entire city of Oakland and Oakland is massive and has, has a lot more crimes and gang, but it is a pretty, pretty privileged city, I would say. So coming out here to see monitor lizards, there's no first responders here. The ambulance will bring you to a hospital and the only hospital that can do any real surgery, even give birth or emergency birth um, through a Western standard is about four and a half hours away. So even my wife going, uh, uh, we had to really plan on uh, staying out in the city and um, staying in a place a, a month in advance. So those are the sites. The site is beautiful going down to this beautiful jungle highway up and down. Uh, so the, the geography of Palauans, El Nido is at the very top of this long, call it state, Palauan state. Uh, and then uh, Puerto Princesa City is about four and a half hours away. Uh, so it is a beautiful jungle highway way try to try to paint you guys a picture. And then this little city is, man, I call it a city because, you know, there's, there's a movie theater there. Um, but it's still a very developing jungle city. It's not, it's no, it's about maybe 3% development, maybe well, far less, maybe 0.3% development the size of Manila. Um, if you're living in Manila, right? Yeah. Correct, you're living yep. in Manila. Yeah. yeah yep. So, um, so, you know, for me living out, out in Alito, I mean, I'm from California. I love Hollywood flicks and I don't really watch Netflix. I'm not like a computer guy who, I mean, or a guy who watches a lot of things on the computer or the iPad as much as I would like to catch up on my Hollywood flicks. I'm the guy who likes to stand in line, smell the popcorn, pull out my pre- credit card and the whole experience. And I don't right. smell popcorn around here. I don't stand in line in El Nido. Um, so in terms of the sights and the smells, oh, I miss pulling out my credit card. I miss smelling the popcorn while I'm in line and parking my vehicle somewhere in a parking lot. There's no parking lots here in El Nido. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that doesn't exist. The, you know, the sidewalks, uh, yeah. Wow, yeah, sidewalks with no like, sidewalks. Yeah, Basically, no it's cement. just a street. And yeah. then you, <laughs> yeah, with no cement. And then uh, boulders coming down when it rains really hard, X, Y, and Z. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yo, if I can describe the sights and the smells, I can tell you what the sights and the smells that I do miss. And actually, the smells that I do miss, but at the same time, I've never smelled fresher air. Uh, I can hear the waves crashing through my windows in my home. Um, you know, it's incredible. Uh, the sea, the sea smell. I mean, the birds that we we, we live amongst the trees because we basically built a cabin in the trees. You know, uh, um, uh, if I, you know, uh, uh, maybe you can put a link down on uh, our home here that we actually live in. It's, uh, you know, it's part of a beautiful. Um, uh, Airbnb villa plan to which it's just ridiculous, um, ridiculously beautiful. And my father and I, we built this hand by hand with a few trusted men. So it's, uh, again, uh, I get to smell the wood that we put in and um, the sea and uh, see the sunset. I mean, we're facing the west. We see Helicopter Island, Big Lagoon, Small Lagoon, Seven Commando. I can give up the popcorn for the sights and the smells here for sure. <laughs> it's a fair trade. That's awesome, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. And then, as far as the beauty in the struggle, I mean, I, I don't know if you ever read um, Jack London, kind of a famous uh, 
Bay Area author, actually. I think he was living in the Bay when he wrote a lot of his books. But there's one of his most famous books is The Call of the Wild. And it's about like a wolf choosing to sit by the fire of man, essentially, and take those pleasantries and the safety, but give up the freedom. And he has this idea mm. of clinging, like how strong is your grip on life? That was one of the things that mm. really I took from that book. And I feel like in what I've seen in the Philippines is that, you know, this is a place where if you're going to make it as a local or a person born here without necessarily a lot of opportunities, you have to have a very strong grip on life, you know, to, to make mm. it. Um, and I think maybe that's what you were referring to with the beauty of it, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right. I mean, out here, um, and I, I'll boil it down to another fable, and it's a French fable, I think. Um, my wife's half French, so I was told this story by her father. I'm not sure if you know what a Segali is. Uh, it's mm-hmm. um, A Segali is a small insect, and it, uh, a lot of people actually hear it during the summer, and they think it's actually like a grasshopper, and it's making those sounds uh the uh, uh like a oh sorry not a not a grasshopper but a cricket it's making if people think it's a cricket sound it's a sound it sounds like a cricket and a lot of people think it's a cricket but it's actually a thing called sagali in any case forget about the biology of the sagali this the fable about it is uh, yeah sorry the, the fable about it is around here um you know, people are just happy. Uh, going back to the call of the wild, people are just happy here despite what we call the struggle. For example, the, how that ties into the fable is I'm, uh, uh, the, there's a, the fable is about a Sagali and ants. And a Sagali, because it sounds like a cricket all summer, all it does in the fable is it's singing and it's playing his guitar all year long. But the Sagali actually only has one year to live. They only only survive in the wild about a year because, well, they just sit around and sing all day. Uh, and then <laughs> actually in the fable, there's a cartoon of them playing a guitar while the ants are choosing to work. And they work all summer and they gather all the nutrients that they need so they can survive longer than a year. So out here, people have a choice. You know what I mean? And they can be happy as a Sagali and play their guitar all summer and not, I mean, survive and, I mean, survive, but not necessarily, you know, to maybe a Western standard for us and what we call as a struggle, but they're happy while we're here. I'm the ant there for sure. You know what I mean? I'm harvesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going, sure. yeah, we, we just got solar, you know, I'm over here harvesting solar energy. We just got our solar panels in because I'm not sure when you're in El Nido, you experience a lot of blackouts, right? Or brownouts. Yep. I mean, you should have. I mean, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised yeah. if you did it. And um, recently it's been really upped. Uh, uh, um, uh, so I'd be, I'm even harvesting solar energy right now. I mean, I'm that ant in the fable, but in any case, we're both kind of happy and we both kind of do our own thing, whether the ant or Sagali, you know what I mean? Uh, we choose our own path, and, and I think that's. But either path, it's kind of a. Uh, 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 it ends with the struggle, you know, somehow, um, uh, and it's beautiful, and it's accepted. Um, it's just there, you know. Uh, and I think that's how I would like to describe the Philippines, the Filipinos. Uh, you know, uh, they're they're very simple people, and, and uh, 
as beautiful as our location is uh, and the, where the gym is and the celebrity hotels, man, literally right next door behind a few coconut trees, you'll see the Sigali and us ant workers here. You know what I mean? Uh, living side by side in peace and struggle and beauty, you know? Mm, I love it. So, you know, you have a, a pretty gnarly background, right? So... Um, combat veteran, law enforcement, you know, um, fitness enthusiast, enthusiast, you know, it takes a confidence and risk taking to start a business, but you also have, it seems like this balance of, you know, introspection, you made the conscious choice to where to start your business, you know, back at home to give back. So where did you develop that sense of introspection and for people who want to develop it, you know, where would you kind of point them to start? Oh, man, that is a very good question. Um, I would definitely say I was lucky enough to have mentors in my life. So I got it during uh, my law enforcement career. And even I would say my military career, I wasn't in long enough to, I had three years active duty and then uh, the other three years were active reserve and then two years uh, non-active reserve, so eight years total. But three years wasn't quite enough yet to be considered what we call a journeyman. And uh, when you're a journeyman in the military is when somebody – it's not a it's not a it's not a rule but it's like a unspoken rule where the, there's going to be a senior guy who's going to take interest in developing you and take you under his wing and it's that's what it is in the military uh and if somebody didn't experience someone being taking you under your wing or their wing that means you didn't focus in your job at your task at hand and you were focused on the result you were focusing on getting your rank as opposed to just doing your job and focusing at your job. I was very good at just doing my job and focusing my job, and I was reluctant enough when in my law enforcement career for someone or a senior guy or a senior director to notice my focus. And the unspoken rule dawned on me where I was then taken on taken under the wing of uh, more senior people, even directors, so which were just under the commissioner of the Department of Homeland Security, underneath the Secretary of Department of State, who were first name bases with Obama when Obama was in presidency. Um, first name bases, and I was working for these guys. Or um, so, in any case. Uh, not sure if I want to drop the name. Uh, oh, I hear, hear X, Y, and Z because they are. Uh, there was a lot of uh, things that we've done, and a lot of classified things that we have. Done. Um, <laughs> Skeletons so in I'm the closet. Not, yeah, yeah. Read, read between the sure lines. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to drop any names, um, but uh, I'm, I, I know they're retired now. Um, so, um, uh, and I'm sure they want to live in peace. So, I'm not going to drop any names. Um, so. Uh, so I, anyways, they were, they were reluctant enough for me, for them to, they were older guys too, so they weren't exactly like me. I mean, going to the gym, they saw me as a gym fanatic and they were not gym fanatics, but they were the guys who, man, who took me under the wing and showed me how to, showed me what, to, I mean, okay, let's, let's just put it this way, okay? I was, uh... I was getting ready to finish my master's or do my master's and I was getting into to some programs and I almost ended up living in Tibet for three years to get my master's in uh, 
Buddhist studies and uh, the Hindu language or something like that in Tibet at the Kathmandu University. So, so gnarly and I wow. wanted to do it yeah. so much. Uh, and it was all paid for by my military uh, post 9-11 GI Bill X, Y, and Z. And then, of course, my director comes in and says, Okay, Bobby. And this was out uh, outside of duty and us drinking, uh, you know, uh, 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 some nice single malt or whatever, just hanging out. And he was like, Bobby, this is not my job. And this is outside of duty hours. But uh, I just want to let you know. Oh, sorry, the gym's closing up. You know, I, I was pretty much set on it. I was like 90% set on just doing this because I was like, man, you know, I'm getting out. This contract's finished. I've got a small little fortune. I'm going to take a break. And I did take a break before I ended up starting the first CrossFit gym here on on the islands of Palawan. But I I was going to take a break and I was just going to finish my master's for a couple years. And then this guy goes and just dons a lot of knowledge on me. And I ended up getting my master's in business at the Paris Institute of Economics because I got into that. He wrote me this beautiful – I mean it was hard to get into. He wrote me this beautiful recommendation. He was like, oh, I'm X, Y, and Z. Uh, I was uh, appointed directly by uh, President Obama. I can blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I, I refer professionally and blah, blah, his standards. Blah, blah. And then immediately the, the program director of the Paris Institute of Economics took me into the program. Immediately, just off of one reference. Um, he just dropped the whole presidency thing on who he was. And it was just automatic. Um, and then I actually, from that university i ended up getting on le monde which was the um i don't know if you know the french it's the biggest french newspaper le monde oh, okay. um i'll send you an article on le monde um and they got me there doing this master's in business and i ended up doing my thesis in africa starting a non-profit uh crossfit gym in tanzania and then they published me on yeah man <laughs> uh for kids so it was cool. a crossfit kids program um nice. and then uh, uh, we did it with uh, – it was the Salesians of Don Bosco basically is connected to the Vatican and I started this program for kids and um, in the school. You know, I introduced, well, functional fitness at relatively high intensity, Don, and constantly varied movements, you know. Um, uh, you know, and then in any case, that would have never happened if I was being – I mean, I like being a hippie. Okay, but if I was being too much of a hippie, I just felt like, okay, man, I almost spent my time in Tibet. My life would have been so different as a result of, you know, I, I'm not saying it's wrong or too hippie. I mean, my perspective, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it turned out okay anyway. Um, but, you know, at the same time, yeah, I was actually just doing it out of the curiosity, fun, enjoy things as opposed to being a little bit more practical side on things Mm -hmm. uh in terms of he knew what i wanted to do he knew that i wanted to i was a fitness dude and i wanted to do something meaningful and and he's the one who actually even told me he was like you know because it's true when i did my master's in business and i tried to survive somehow and make a business model based on on an ngo working with the salesians of uh the vatican or the salesian of don bosco it was very hard to survive on that self-paid salary. You know, it was, and he called it, you know, he, he knew, I mean, he didn't know that I wasn't going to, he, he didn't, he didn't know that it was going to be a learning lesson for me. Right. Um, 
but it ended up being a learning lesson for me. And he knew right away, you need to, if you want to do an NGO thing, great. But first you need to privatize and make something commercial so you can then, you can then fund your own NGO as a, exactly fund your own NGO as opposed to relying on donors. Um, you know, because, well, you know, uh, uh, so that's what we did. And that's what we do here. And at to date, we had a one-year contract with the Palawan State University, done their strength and conditioning program, t- trained 16 of their um, uh, PE teachers who had no knowledge about anything about fitness. They didn't know anything about rest days. They didn't know anything about nutrition. They're, you know, the Palawan State University system here in terms of PE, they do PE once a week, and they do like Zumba or something, bro. You know what I mean? And I was like, these are <laughs> university students or you know, high school students who are required to learn and be enthusiastic about growing themselves and you're teaching them Zumba to which it's a 50% show up rate and it's it's just a passing it's just a free class right. that they it's a free passing. So the standards, you know, so today, I mean, yeah, well, actually, yeah. That could be so like we, a movie scene the first day you show up and they're like, "Oh my god." Oh my god, dude. If 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 I can pull something out, I mean, I think it would be hilarious because, um, you know, imagine this. I went and, of course, you know, having a a qualified instructor with a proper facility and, you know, it's not exactly attainable for a lot of people. So as a result, we had a lot of doctors and a lot of attorneys uh, as our clients uh, who are locals. You know what I mean? It wasn't really accessible to the university students until we ended up training the university PE teachers so it could be accessible to the students, right? Because it's just out of budget for them. Um, I, you got to remember like the, the minimum, minimum wage here in Palawan is why it's uh, seven U.S. dollars a day. And that's an eight-hour day thing. And we're charging 50 U.S. dollars for a monthly gym membership. No way, right, for right. a student to be, you know what I mean, paying that. So in any case, we ended up having a lot of, uh, as a result, we ended up having high, highly, high, higher level, I would say, professionals such as Dawson attorneys as our clients. In any case, when we came in, I'm down in the supermarket uh, in Port of Princess City, but even the doctors there, they, I had a doctor come up to me, hey, coach, what are you doing? I actually pulled out like three different ketchups and I was reading the label because here in the Philippines, man, most of them, they pull a lot of sugar in the ketchup. Yeah. So the, the doctor, of course, is not fully absent-minded on, the, the, on nutrition, but they were actually, when I told them I'm reading the label on the ketchup, they actually laughed because they didn't realize there was different sugar levels in the, in the brands of the ketchup. And so that's how I realized, I was like, wow, even the doctors are not fully, uh, don't fully have attention level to the detail on nutrition and education. So I get how that trickles down to the local population around here. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, going back to the story of, uh, my mentor, you know, yes, he was right. He didn't realize I was going to fail slash have a learning. He didn't, I mean, he, he didn't know, and I gave it a try because, well, I, I contested his his saying, like, don't be silly uh, about going and just thinking you can just be an NGO and live happily and provide for your family, and that's the first and foremost thing you can do. You need to make something for yourself, even a small business, and at that time, he was trying to sell me a tire shop in California. You know what I mean? And I'm sure I would have made a lot of money <laughs> with this tire shop in California. 
you know, and I was just like, I'm just not into tires, bro. He was, he was like, it's a turnkey <laughs> business. You know, it literally, he was, he literally like, yeah, recession proof, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he was literally, it's a turnkey business. It's right around the Bay area. I'm just getting rid of it because his wife, he wants to sell it before his wife gets his hands on it because he was in the middle of his divorce. You know what I mean? And I was just like, wow. You know what I mean? And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. So he was Damn, trying to shit gnarly. it. It's yeah. gnarly, bro. It, it was super gnarly. Super gnarly. <laughs> You're like, was, I want nothing to do with that dude. Get like, that away from me. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, I don't care about the money. You know what I mean? I was like, what I care <laughs> is my what I'm doing every day. And I'm going to smell like rubber selling, selling tires every day. <laughs> I no, you know, like, um, there's nothing wrong with that if that is your choice. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. Get involved in the conversation. Find me on Instagram at Pod, or send me an email, thomas at com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Enjoy the rest of the show. has nothing to do with my heritage, nothing to do with my family. It has nothing to do, you know what I mean? There's no meaning to me. No, if it's a, if it's a, it's an heirloom that this is your, you know, good year tire shop in my family. Okay, sure. That is your legacy, but that has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? Like, so no, no offense to the people who sell tires and you know what I mean? And have tire shops. Sure. I, I mean, it's cool. You know what I mean? You're likely a mechanic and do it. Yeah, I mean, no, for sure. But it, th- these people who I would have never, yeah, I would have never thought, um, uh, you know, who would have a, such an impact on my life. I think about them 10 years later and I'm like, man, these men, you know what I mean? Who were not really bro nouveau guys. You know what I mean? They were very masculine, very macho dudes who couldn't really control their personal desires. You know what I mean? And, uh, um, uh, and ended up again, like this guy, you know, uh, in the, in his brink of seventies, you know what I mean? Uh, almost 70. Uh, he's still doing contract work as a director because his wife is trying to take everything from the bone in Miami to the house in New Jersey, to the, to the, to, to the, to the homes in DC, the dogs, she wants to take everything and he's already offered 50%. And I'm like, wow, you got, you guys are so sharp. You got, I look up to you guys. And, but at the end of the day, if I follow this career, it's bad enough that law enforcement and military already have a 50% or higher divorce rate. But if I reach to the very top and I look at the very top and I've worked with the very top, it's, I understand why it's a 40 or 50, it's a 50% X, Y, and Z divorce rate because well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is in terms of that field or, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe yeah. it is, uh, uh, stressful, you know, very stressful. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a number of episodes so, on here about like just trying to understand the role law enforcement plays in our society. Right. Cause it's such a prickly topic, but 
Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah. Like what, what you said about, you know, why you left when we met on the Island and you were saying, you know, seeing that example of like these guys going through divorces and, you know, obviously you, you keep them close to you as far as, you know, their impact on you, but you made a choice of going a different way. And I think, I think that's a choice, man, that a lot of guys, I'm sure, I'm sure both genders, but I mean, we've only ever been guys, right? So what well, we can speak to, but you know, that temptation, right? That like down the line, you know, I'm not there, but I can imagine for someone who's been married 20, 30 years, you know, in the wow. same relationship, how do you keep it fresh? How do you stay disciplined? How do you not, you know, do something inappropriate and kind of having the willpower and the, the, what's the, like a standards or integrity, you know, to not do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. another thing that doesn't get talked about a lot. You know, it's like being, you know, on top of just like having money or the the physical appearance or the material possessions, but it's like, you know, being a person of integrity and, and the importance of that in our society, I think isn't really, <laughs> it should be a little higher on the priorities list. I think, you know, I, you know, I, and I, I'm going to take this out of the, the fitness realm of things. Uh, I think it's as simple as environment. Now, so for example, for somebody who ha- is struggling to go to the gym per se, they're going to require a lot of willpower to get into the gym and to work out. But if the environment is conducive to them again, just getting into the gym, then the willpower could be tucked away from her for a rainy day and saved. Um, and so there's less willpower there. So same thing with the marriages. And I think same thing with, you know, 30, 40 years being with the same woman. If your environment is not conducive to you having the integrity and you're constantly flying and being surrounded by uh, X, Y, and Z, you're going to have a lot. You're going to be using all that willpower. You will not have any willpower for a rainy day. And one day, mm. You're just gonna do the unthinkable to your wife, or you know, or your thirty-year, your forty-year lifetime partner, um, uh, simply because you don't have willpower, and willpower is not infinite within us. So that tells me you have, if you're trying to do something well, and you're trying to foresee yourself uh, being in a 50, 60 year marriage, uh, or until you know, until death do you part, as in your vows, you have to have a conducive environment to that and law enforcement is not a conducive environment as a matter of fact the higher that you get at least in the federal law enforcement realm of things the more that you travel the more easier life is the more you get bored the more you have free time and the more you have time to play around right like so um that is not the more senior you get the more money you get you know what i mean the more you get paid so it's just not this conducive environment. You're doing less. So you're more bored. So what do you do when you're more bored? <laughs> you keep yourself occupied, yeah, bro. Fuck around. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's so things. Exactly. It's yeah. not a conducive environment. Just not for me, at least in my perspective. And this is only my experience. And the, my experience hit me hits me strong because these, this experience is very was coming from my mentors. And my mentors really meant a lot to me. Um, and so I don't judge them. You know what I mean? But it is, I, I do understand my choices um, have been highly affected from the fact that 
I was climbing a ladder to a non-conducive environment. I didn't grow up in that style family. You know what I mean? Where, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, I mean, my dad's already almost 70 and we're not there. I don't see, I don't ever see it happening. You know what I mean? To, with my parents, but because my dad's not, you know, not in that type of environment. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, he's not on a, he doesn't have a secretary who's flying him around to Europe on a, on a Wednesday and then, you know, having a bunch of diplomats take him out to the nicest clubs to have dinner and balls of wine in the middle of the week. You know what I mean? Uh, um, you know, that's just not his environment. He's in the Bay Area. He's chilling. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's, you know, he's got he's got a French bully and nice. grown up kids. You know what I mean? And he's just chilling, loving. You know, walking the dock. You know what I mean? Doing doing whatever he's got to do. Enjoying you know? that Bay breeze. Yeah. Ah, dude. Yeah, totally, man. So, dude, um, I, I just. I love, yeah, I want to say love the Bay, dude. Like, I don't know if we'll end up back there, but let's talk about that. So, um, SF State, growing up, you know, what are the things you love about the Bay? Because it's been, you know, dragged through the mud so much of late with kind of the political environment. But I absolutely loved my time there, and I think it's a, a wonderful place. You know, I have nothing but goodness and love for the Bay because honestly, in terms of like the political environment and things that are beyond my control, I have mastered the fact that that is beyond my control and I, that doesn't affect my happiness at all. I'm a bit of a stoic, right? When it comes down to things mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. It, it, these, the, whatever is beyond my control. Um, um, uh, but the Bay Area, I mean, uh, I, I miss it. Uh, definitely, I haven't been home in the Bay Area since November, Thanksgiving, 2019. So even though the pandemic is over, it still hasn't felt like it's completely over until I go back to the Bay Area, which is scheduled next month. You know what oh, I mean? Nice. So that's three years. You know what I mean? Three solid years from November, Thanksgiving, 2019 to November, 2022, Thanksgiving is when I'm going to feel like, okay, this pandemic is finally over. Uh, and I can deload, you know what I mean, uh, for a month and, and, and kind of, you know, cause throughout the entire pandemic, I mean, wow, you know, you know it was, we built a home. We, 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 even though the pandemic started, we're the only ones at the, this vanilla beach block that continued with the construction. You know, I mean, like we're the only ones that got into the new lease, like everybody else that got into the new lease, put out, put down the $10,000 deposit or whatever. And then. No one decided to continue on with their construction. No. And, then, and then after that, um, we built this house. You know what I mean? And then, um, and then we um, And the we guest moved. house too, right? The Airbnb Oh, house. And, the, and the guest house. Uh, so yes, sick. for sure. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. God, Dude, uh, oh. so for the, this, where, where Bobby lives, it's this strip of these awesome, like sheer vertical homes with beach bars in the bottom and there's restaurants and people are walking around. Had, you know, a lot of like these spots are playing house music, and it's just so beautiful. And um, I checked out the the B and B online, the one you you built um, as well, and it's beautiful, dude. Yeah, that B and B is right next door to my residence, and actually, the B and B is a twin villa to the residence. So, I mean, the B and B night is nice, but bro. You know, I, 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 yeah, if you've been to the house, it's small. I mean, it, 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 you know, it, it, what people don't realize around here and particularly in the Philippines, they have this culture and it's a very macho culture to where 
you know, they think the bigger your house is, the more beautiful it is. I have one of the smallest houses on the block. And they don't, you know, they, they, they don't realize that small is actually more cozy. And the secret, that's the secret to the game of making a home. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I love that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it, again, less is more around here. And that's how I live my life. I'm not a pure minimalist. I mean, I love the idea. And, I, and that is something that, that is fantastic to target and to chase. Um, but uh, I do live by the rule of less is more when it comes down to things. You know what I mean? Um, uh, so when it comes down to businesses, you know what I mean? Uh, I prefer on having, like, you know, you saw this, you saw the size of the gym. It's a nice size gym. You know what I mean? It's not this massive commercial thing. I can still very much talk to people who walk in and I can focus, you know, just like yourself and we got, and, and meet, meet cool people, travelers, people on their own journeys, uh, seeing what people are doing in the Philippines and, and, and you know what I mean? Just wondering because I know how I got here. I'm just very curious who else is kind of on the same boat or who's on a different boat or yeah. who's just somebody on, you know, like it's really yeah. cool understanding. I don't know, man. I mean, um, I've traveled a lot uh, working um, as a, you know, as a law enforcement, I did travel a lot because uh, officer, because we did work in federal law enforcement and there's a lot of liaising that we did and a lot of mentoring in foreign countries in my capacity. Uh, and then I did travel uh, a lot when I was in the military and um, when I was stationed somewhere, whether in the military or the USMC, I got to scatter at least, you know, uh, 15 different countries in each region. So uh, now I'm kind of like, I kind of found a place where I don't have to travel and I can just live vicariously through people. You know what I mean? And, and work out yeah. and, and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, dude. Oh, yeah like dude, you uh, have the ultimate home gym, right? It's like, you know, home gym's the best, but like, it's, dude, it's a, like I have a, into like a commercial grade <laughs> CrossFit gym is my home gym. <laughs> That's so cool. It's a beautiful gym. And it's far gym, enough from, I appreciate it. I appreciate, and it's just enough space where it's not connected to the home because your mind will never kind of rest. If you know, mm. I mean, working from home is 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 absolutely a blessing to work from home. But like you know, running a shop inside of your home becomes it's just like having a TV in your bedroom, right? Like you shouldn't be watching TV while sleeping in the same bed because. Uh, subconsciously your mind is still kind of turned on so if my business is on the first floor it's going to be a little bit difficult for me without at least some type of physical space or something and man a five-minute beach walk is not bad you know what i mean to get to work you know what i mean uh um, <laughs> right yeah could be worse <laughs> oh, man you know what I mean? uh, and, and this all boils down to environment people uh quite often ask me, man, I don't know how you pull off the family thing, the kitchen thing. Now we have room service now with the chef going into the guest rooms. And we were able to pull that off pretty recently with uh, the nice. chef being in-house now. And, uh, and then, you know, and then the gym in Puerto Princesa, the, the block, the, the, the actual CrossFit field, we're, we're running group classes. We're about hundred more, hundred plus members. We are growing so much to where we're, actually juggling a Portuguese investor to come in and be a full-time coach and be an investor in that because we've, we've uh, it's outgrown me, bro. I mean, like I, I, I can't grow as quickly 
and people always wonder, how do you manage all this? And it's, it's, it's not my willpower, bro. We're back to the idea of environment. You know what I mean? Like the environment is conducive for me to be productive, period. Now, if, if, if I can power through the productivity using a lot of willpower, but I'm going to burn out. I don't burn out simply because I have set up this environment and it took me about a decade to set up this environment because I've been living in Palawan for about seven years and it took me about two years to exit the U.S. government fully. So nine years and it is not an overnight thing for sure to achieve this environment conducive to productivity without being burnt out. Even though sometimes I do feel a little bit burnt out sometimes, but not fully burnt out as I would have. You know what I mean? I know for sure I would have been burnt out a long time ago if my, my environment was not conducive to the fact. Uh, and the environment is a system, right? Like if I didn't take care of my physical health, then that's one part of the system to which then the willpower would then be struggling and be used up. And it is a it is a simple yet very sensitive system that I have, uh, but it is a system nonetheless, and it is based a system based on creating this environment, and then the results of productivity will, in fact, take care of its. Uh, the scoreboard will take care of its own. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, as long as I focus on the system, there. I, uh, I think. Uh, I think that's Atomic Habits. I think that's from where I read it from. Uh, so, nice. uh, yeah, it makes sense. It's yeah. like work in your own favor. You know, like help. <clears throat> help me help me basically as far as the environment mm. um so what's your vision man you know you you came back with a mission you know what is it that you want to communicate to people what is the legacy you want to leave how do you want to you know impact this community that you're living and working in you know i, I actually only recently thought about this and the way that I kind of broke it down as of today, what is October the 13th, 2022, the way that I look at it and what I have done in terms of an over, overall projection to everyone out there is I want to show that the Philippines is an excellent place to live an alternative lifestyle and a lifestyle that could be healthy uh, in terms of your resources, your, your time, your energy, your finances, and, susta- and sustainable out here. In the Philippines before in the past, uh, it was not really a suitable place to actually, well, I don't even know if you can say that, immigrate to as a European or a Western, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, not really some, you know, there's not a lot of people out there, I'm going to go immigrate to the Philippines. Why would we do that? You know what I mean? We have that. There's right. there's so much X, Y, and Z. So for me, I think overall that um, my message is, you know, the Philippines could be not only an alternative but a very healthy alternative to start and press the reset button if you're feeling like Metropolis or you're feeling like everything is a little bit overwhelming in the West. Um, and, and if Bali's out of reach for you because of the real estate over there or, or I don't know, Thailand is just it's kind of over, you know what I mean, and you just want to go somewhere new, raw, and still healthy and accessible and with a beautiful struggle, man, you know what I mean? Uh, that's my message to uh, everyone on their journey. I love it, man. Yeah. 
and I th- I'm I'm picking up too. Like you, you think a lot. You care a lot, right? You think a lot about. Like the first thing you said was you're a family, you know, family man, and <clears throat> I think that's awesome. I guess as, as the last last question would be around that. You know, to you, what does that mean, right? What does it mean to be a family man, to be a good man? You know, tying it in with the whole bro nouveau. There's going to be guys listening, guys and girls, but I guess specifically for the guys who you know, are thinking about that and they're young and they want to do it differently. They want to, you know, leave a good impact on the world. How do you kind of define that for yourself? Mm-hmm. That's, um, yeah, let me put it, let me, let me cap that up for the bro nouveau mindset. Um, <laughs> uh, you have to reflect on something you cannot reflecting is the ultimate form of learning, right? And, and learning is growing and growing is the key to the game of life, Right. Um, but how do you reflect on anything if you don't just go out there and experience it? Right. Uh, so I think you just got to be brave. Um, uh, and whether you, you fail or you don't fail, uh, there's no such thing as failure. It's all learning lessons. And if at the moment you feel like you're failing, that means the story has not yet ended. And at the end, it will be, a success. Um, so you need to have to be brave enough to gather some type of experience to reflect on. Um, and, and actually those failures are the best experience experiences that people that anyone could get to reflect on. Uh, and I think what a lot of people want uh, to one or two things are missing. They're either too afraid to just go out there and just do it and they hesitate and a decade later they're like dang you know what i mean like i should have done that 10 years ago um because by now it could have been x y and z or two they end up hitting a wall and then they don't take the time to reflect and without the reflection there's no breaking through that wall um uh to hit the real end of this story. Um, now, uh, in terms of the bro nouveau mindset, um, definitely, uh, I like to use the African proverb. Um, uh, if you want to go fast alone, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So if you want to go far, you have to find a life partner. Um, you know, and if you want long lasting joy, you have to find a life partner if you want to go get far in that. And, uh, that's it, I guess. <laughs> nice dude. Nice one. I love, I love it. The message of positivity and continuing in, in kind of, uh, like for me, this podcast is, is pretty much that's that biggest thing in my life right now. Right. It's every week. Awesome. You know, find a guest, schedule it out. Oh, uh, reviews aren't good. Listeners are down. You know, I'm not excited about it. I'm not loving it. But I know I, if I tell myself, dude, if you don't keep going and you, you know, fucking quit this thing, you're going to be so disappointed in that the fact that you couldn't, you know, continue. You know, and I, and I love that because there's going to be people listening who have that goal and that dream, whatever it is. And, you know, that message is just keep going and don't, don't give up on the dream, right? Because no one's going to, 
make any of our dreams come come true, right? We have to go. We have to go do it. Yeah, brother, you got to chase it. And I felt that energy from you, and immediately, brother, uh, nice. I was like, "Yeah, bro, put me in, bro. Uh, I'm in there for you." <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Bobby, dude, you're the man. Thank you for uh, telling your story and sharing your thoughts. Um, what is a good place for folks to find your gym? I'm sure you know there's going to be people, world travelers listening who want to get the pump in. So, <laughs> or yeah, the dude. B&B. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, man, actually find us on Instagram. I think that's the best avenue uh, if you just go CrossFit Hieroglyph on Instagram. Awesome, Bobby. Thank you so much, dude. Have a great uh, rest of your evening. Thanks for taking the time.